He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And so revenue management isn't just about price. Price is a component of it. But revenue management is really looking at that individual unit that you're selling, whether it's a hotel room or it's truly 57 unique properties in your portfolio as a vacation rental manager and saying, what is the story I'm telling? Where am I telling it? To whom am I telling it? And how am I ultimately distributing it for the ideal customer? Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning back into Slick Talk. I have one favor to ask, and that is if you are listening and have been a listener or a brand new listener, please leave a review like the social media accounts, Facebook at Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, Twitter and Instagram at Slick Talk Pod, that's P-O-D, Slick Talk Pod. And of course, there's a new program that I've launched on the show. So you can go to slicktalkthepodcast.com forward slash blog. And I'm asking any hospitality professionals to become a community blogger on the show where you can write your ideas, your content regarding any aspect of hospitality, uh, whether it's vacation rentals, hotels, restaurants, leadership, marketing, revenue management, anything, um, where you can put out your ideas and content there. You can share your social links there, and it gives an extra platform for all of us hospitality professionals to share ideas and, and build a community. You can also check out the Slick Talk community group. It's a private hospitality group on Facebook where we just share ideas, we interact. Then also, of course, I'll be putting out sneak peeks and bonus things and as well as uh, some other ex- exclusive content into that group. So thank you guys again just for tuning in. Leave a review, like the pages, share an episode, do whatever you can to help the podcast grow even more. Thank you so much. And now back to the episode. He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Will Slickers. And a lot of you have been following along the journey, you know, post-COVID-19 stuff happening. Um, I'm home for a little bit. I've been able to take some time off from the National Guard stuff. Andrew McConnell and I have been talking over the course, I would say a couple, quite a few months. And um, finally, we've yeah. built up this momentum to, uh, to get to the podcast. So I'm excited to introduce today's and this week's guest, Andrew McConnell, who is the CEO and founder of Rented.com. So Andrew, how are we doing today, my friend? Doing great. Thanks for having me, Will. Yeah, I, you know, it's, I know you've been serving the country, serving us, and making it hard to get the schedule. So I, I really appreciate that we were able to find this time. Amen, brother. Amen. Some good stuff that's about to come out. So um, let's just kind of dive in. I love to find out your origin, where you started, how you got into, of course, the industry, and then starting, you know, rented.com and the the company that you are at today. 
Yeah, it's not a straight line, which I think is probably the case for a lot of people in this industry. Mm -hmm. I, my background, after college, I went to law school. And then I ended up doing a, a law degree in the US and another one in the UK, and then did the bar exam, but never ended up practicing law. I went into management consulting. So I worked for McKinsey and Company for about half a decade, um, working with really big companies, like some of the largest companies in the world. Spent my last year actually in Af Afghanistan uh, doing economic development work over there with the US government. And a partner I worked with had recruited me away to go to what seemed like a startup to me. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a hundred million dollar company. So it was not the same kind of startup as truly starting up, Okay, but it recruited me to go and it was a new concept law firm and they were launching this new product and kind of my first 12 to 18 months there was able to grow it to about 20 million oh, wow. um, from this nothing. And I was like, wow, this is, this is fun. It's like yeah. start something new and grow it. This is, this is pretty cool. And while that was happening, I ended up on a family vacation where two family friends were talking about VRBO. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know. This was January of 2012. And I didn't know anything about this industry. And both were really, really excited about this VRBO. And so I just started asking questions about it and how much time they were spending renting the homes themselves and how they were getting it cleaned and how they knew it wasn't high school kids throwing parties on yeah. the weekends and everything. And eventually said look guys you're a cardiologist you're a dentist you don't mow your own lawn you don't change your own oil you pay people that do that for a living why in the world are you doing this yourself why, why do you not hire somebody and their response was there are companies that do this but i think they charge too much in commission and i don't like that it seems like they have no risk i have all the risk and then they just cream off 40 50 percent of every dollar that comes in and thinking back to my law school negotiation class, I thought, well, if those companies don't have a job without homes like yours, why don't the homeowners band together and make those companies bid against each other to buy all your weeks? So instead of them going on a commission, they have to tell you, here, I'm going to give you $20,000 for the year. And then you know, one, you're not paying too much because it's, it's an auction. You're going to get a market clearing price. And then two, they're the ones taking the risk, not you. And they looked at me like I was a complete imbecile and said, well, yeah, dummy, if there was a way to do that, obviously everybody would already be doing that. Yeah. I thought, everybody, that sounds like a lot of market share. You know, how big is this market? So I spent, that was January and I spent the next 10 months uh, until November really researching, talking to people in the space, talking to management companies and found out at that time it was like a $120 billion industry. Mm -hmm. And really all these people who were on Airbnb, on VRBO, on Flipkey, as soon as they heard, wait, there could be this other way of doing it where I don't do the work and I know what I'm going to get, that does seem better. Uh, I ended up quitting my job and, and starting what was back then called vacationfutures.com. So it was this okay. concept of like a futures trading platform for rental weeks. Okay. So that, that's, that's how I got started. That was, I, did not, I did not know that. That's, that's an interesting interesting beginning for sure that's yeah. a whole new dynamic of looking at the vacation rental management side of things yeah so from there where did that turn into what you are now rented because now that just seems like i was expecting rented to come from that and then also boom, right. you just hit me so let's let's figure out i want to connect the dots yeah so back to it just not being a straight line so launch that and 
as I said, homeowners absolutely lapped it up. So on cold calls and everything, we were converting at 80 to 90% on cold calls. Wow. And got to a point where we were literally doubling revenue every month. It was, you know, marketplace dream. It's getting huge. All these homeowners wanted it. Managers saying, this is an amazing way to grow. The, we ended up flatlining because the reality was most managers couldn't do it. It didn't matter that homeowners wanted it other than Vacasa or some of the more venture backed ones. Yeah. Uh, most companies they could do maybe one a year, but if all of the homes you manage are in Destin, Florida or mm -hmm. Gatlinburg or, and there's a fire or Destin, Florida and there's an oil spill or the outer banks and there's a lot of hurricanes that year, you'd go out of business. You can't do that. You yeah. can't actually take the risk. And so we ended up saying, okay, look, these home, these homeowners really want the guaranteed income. These managers, maybe the best ones, because they're so local, they know everything in the market, but they can't take that risk. Yeah. Could we find a financial product where could we create a financial product where the owner gets that guaranteed income stream? And then we work with the manager on the commission basis. And then we build a big enough portfolio that we have that diversification. We're, we're not just with one manager. We're not just in one geography. We have different seasonality. And so we launched a product that did that. It was called Rented Capital. And we built, it was several thousand properties all over the world that we worked with managers, these local managers. And as we grew that, our chief commercial officer had co-founded Vacasa. So Cliff Johnson had built the largest vacation rental manager in North America. And he said, you know, as we get this bigger portfolio, instead of signing new properties, where we really should be putting our attention is on revenue management. Mm -hmm. We could make so much more because we have better data. We can build better technology. We can put a better team because we have scale that 99% of management companies don't have. Very few managers have the scale. And so we did thinking maybe we'll get a 5 to 8% revenue left. And literally within 30 days, we were seeing a 30 to over 100% revenue lift. Same property, same manager, wow. just putting better revenue management, full-time revenue management, and better technology on it. And we said, whoa, this is much bigger than we thought. Uh, I wonder if other people might want to access this. Mm -hmm. And so about a year ago, we launched what is now rented.com uh, that is a revenue management service provider. So what we do is essentially we just deliver more money to managers. It's not just some technology that you put on and then you have to go manage it. We yeah. deliver the end to end. We have the technology, but we also have the team. Yeah. And so what we're really delivering is results. You pay us a dollar, each dollar you're paying us, you're making at least five more uh, on the back end. So it's, it's, uh, it's been, a, been a fun ride. See, that's so crazy because when I first started my journey, I was in the hotel side of revenue management. So that's okay. like a very, everyone in the hotel side knows, yes, revenue managers, you do all this stuff. You have the data, you implement it on the property, yada, yada, yada. Vacation yeah. people were so different. You know, they were, they're, it's a one unit, it's not as much inventory and all the other things that kind of go into play. And you guys flipped it and you actually made that possible. So that's kind of like really the geeky side of me kind of was like, what, this is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Whoever's you know, listening that hasn't heard of revenue management in this like sense, it's like to, maybe to them, they're just like, okay, whatever they're, they're playing with numbers. But no, this is like a, such a unique, intricate way to deal with a one unit yeah. specific property. So I find that, I find that quite interesting. And I want to kind of keep diving into 
you know, obviously the starting of it. So that's kind of like what sparked the idea. But I think with, you know, why do you think this is so important to our industry? Because yeah. obviously you were saying owners wanting guaranteed income, managers wanting to make sure they're not going to go out of business because they're going to out, you know, be too low bid or whatever. But why is this new concept, this implementation of all this information and stuff that you guys have learned so key? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting in that vacation rentals as an industry predate hotels as we know them. Yes. They predate airlines because they predate airplanes. So vacation rental is a far, far older industry, but far more fragmented. And in hotels, you have a highly commoditized product. The 200 rooms in this Holiday Inn are not that different than the 200 rooms in the courtyard by Marriott across the street. Yep. And so there's really good data. There's, they're really big companies, so they're really good systems, and they're at scale. So they put these revenue managers on. Airlines, same thing, super commoditized. 22A is not that different than 23A. And it's really just based on time to the flight and what the, the current uh, occupancy is. And so you think about, you have these far larger industries with much better data, much better and more sophisticated technology, and they're commoditized. And yet they still put on full-time revenue management teams. Mm -hmm. They know that a technology is not good enough to maximize revenue. Mm -hmm. And then we come to vacation rentals. The exact other extreme, no commoditization. Every property is totally unique and it's footprint and how it's decorated and the seasonality and the length of stays. And yet the, the big innovation in the last 10 years is going from signing a contract in November that said what your prices are gonna be for the next 12 months to now having quote dynamic pricing. So you're changing the prices and that can be varying frequency, but changing the price and making it the right price with the right story in front of the right customer at the right time is a very different value problem. Mm -hmm. And so revenue management isn't just about price. Price is a component of it. But revenue management is really looking at that individual unit that you're selling, whether it's a hotel room or it's truly 57 unique properties in your portfolio as a vacation rental manager and saying, what is the story I'm telling? Where am I telling it? To whom am I telling it? And how am I ultimately distributing it for the ideal customer? So a perfect example of that is coming with COVID, mm -hmm. right? We had customer personas of long weekend stays in some of these lake houses outside the cities. Well, COVID, people in cities said, you know what? I actually don't want to stay in an apartment working full-time with my spouse working full-time and two kids. I want to go rent for 40 days, for 60 days on one of these lake houses. Mm -hmm. And so we have customers that are doubling their revenue year on year because they totally changed what the revenue they were managing. It wasn't renting out nightly. It was like, okay, who's the persona who would come and maximize the revenue on this property over this time period? That's, yeah. No, I think a lot of, I saw that specifically with the New York market with everyone trying to get out of New York City and into the surrounding mm -hmm. areas. And uh, yeah, they, they outperformed pretty much everybody. Just yeah. killed the market. Um, and you said something though that kind of struck one of my other questions was, you know, for, for you, what is the difference between revenue management compared to revenue strategy? Now I've had different perspective on the hotel side of things because that's obviously where I started. 
for me, revenue management was when people would just input numbers based off of the star report saying, okay, we're going to raise the rates here. We're going to put like the stay here and you know, whatever. And they just let it sit. And then they, you know, they come back next week. I'm like, Oh, how do we perform? Um, and then revenue strategy for me at that time was revenue strategies. We take that thinking of raise the rates, minimum length of stay, no allowed check-ins on this day or no allowed check-ins on that, that day, whatever. And take that strategy, implemented it with the staff. Also found out where are we, you know, spending on operations and what kind of costs can we cut, not by cutting the guest experience or the team experience, but also literally just cutting out the bull crap that we don't need and to, you know, mm. to spend extra time and money on. And now what from you, where I'm seeing is revenue management is the strategy side that I was implementing on the hotel. So for you, I guess for vacation rentals, what's the difference between management and strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think coming from a strategy consultancy, right? Yeah. It, there was always this joke of you hire a consultant and they borrow your watch and then tell you what time it is. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of consultants in, in our industry as well. And a lot of times it's, they go, they work with you, and then they give you all this work you need to go do. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, you probably know a few different uh, property managers. It's not like they, there's a bunch of free time. Yeah. It's not like, hey, you know yeah. what I need is more work. Yeah, like, that, exactly. wasn't, that wasn't the gap, was that I wasn't working hard enough. It was, I need to know the things to stop doing, or I need to be able to have people do the other pieces. Mm -hmm. And I think when you're talking about what to stop doing, Right? You can't just constantly add stuff on. You have to know what to stop doing. Mm -hmm. And I think there are a couple different flavors for it. Look, I, I, I do this in my own day-to-day -day, is I think about it in a two-by-two of what am I not good at? What am I really good at? Mm -hmm. What do I love doing? What do I hate doing? And if I'm really good at it and I love doing it, I want to keep that. That's a core competency. Yeah. And for a, a vacation rental manager, that is your core value proposition. What is it? that sets you apart. It's not just that I have this home. You know, what is that guest experience? Are you the perfect pet friendly beachfront properties? Like, is that your bread and butter and you own that? Is it, you have these super modern homes? Is it the, the guest experience or how quickly you respond or the recommendations you put together? Like that is something you can't really outsource because that is who you are. Yeah. You lose that if you have somebody else do it. There's another group of, I'm not very good at it and I don't love it, but, and this is the key, mm -hmm. guess value it or guess expect it. And it becomes the baseline bar. Yeah. And if you're not good at it, or even if you're good at it and you don't like it, but guests still demand it, guests still expect it. That's where you need to start looking at outsourcing. And that's why there are third-party technology providers, service providers for different areas. Mm -hmm. And so knowing those things, but only again, if the guest values it. So, well, not just a guest, you have the home, homeowner, right? And so that's kind of where we play is more finding the right guests to make sure that the manager is delivering above and beyond revenue wise to the homeowner. How are we maximizing revenue? So you're telling them a great story. And, you know, a big part of it is so many owners, there's a trust gap. Yeah. The, the difference with a hotel is, look, you have a single owner, they've hired the, the property manager say, hey, go run this as a hotel, at least you're good. With a vacation rental management company, you may be working with a hundred different homeowners. Yeah. And they say, hey, I never want you to rent my home for less than this. I never want you to have a stay that's shorter than five days. You know, all these different things. I never want a pet in my home. Yeah. 
And it's part of the manager's job, and this is where we try to help them, to make the case of, okay, look, it's your home. You can decide that. But by not making it pet friendly, I just want you to know, like for like, you're leaving $8,000 on the table. Yeah. I want you to know by not reducing your minimum stay requirements, you're leaving $5,700 on the table. And you can kind of go through all of these things and saying, it's your choice. You own the home. But if you let me do my job, here's what I can do for you. Yeah. And being very data driven and then delivering on that yeah. is absolutely critical. No, I 100% believe like what you're saying, the, the guests will tell you what they want. They will make it known when they inquire. They'll make it known when they check in, when they check out during their stay, all that stuff. Through the reviews. Yeah, through the reviews. I mean, people joke about four-dimensional chess. Mm. And it's a very complex world you're operating in because each, each home, your entire inventory, each home is unique. Yeah. And you're having to manage it uniquely. Not only is the property itself, but yeah. maybe the constraints around that property because you're managing this entire separate group, the homeowner, which a lot of other industries, you don't have these two different customers. Then you have the guest. Then you have your competition locally. So what else is that guest looking at? Yeah, your comps. And then you have the distribution channels. So where are they looking? How are you positioned in those different channels versus what else they're looking for? Yeah. And the reality is it's a globally competitive marketplace. Now maybe a little different kind of in, in a current COVID pre-vaccine world where a lot of the travels drive to drive to. Yeah. Even then, your competition's not necessarily just in your market. It could be anything in a 250-mile radius around wherever that person lives. 100%. Yeah. And so they're not just looking at this one beach. They're looking at beaches all along that kind of 40-mile length or not just this one mountain area. They're actually looking in two or three different states and yeah. North Georgia, South Tennessee, Western North Carolina. Uh, and so you really have to consider that who are you trying to target and who else is trying to target them to be able to position yourself best. You were saying um, earlier too, you know, each property is so unique and so different. And obviously, unlike, you know, Holiday Inns or Choice Properties or Marriott's, um, you know, listings look very different. And so mm -hmm. with being in that unique spot of vacation rentals, you know, we are able to create listings on extreme, extreme measures of tons of detailed photos and accurate descriptions and amenities and all these things. Yeah. Why do things like photos, reviews and operations on how they operate and, you know, save costs? How, how do these play such big factors on, on the maximization of revenue? I think it, it's really, it's more than one thing. It's at least three. And I don't know if I'm just saying that because I'm a consultant or it really is three. But the, the first is there was a period of time where a lot of startups were moving into travel to try to make it faster for people to plan vacations. Yeah. And they're saying the average person spends this number of hours planning a vacation and we can cut it down and do this. And I always thought those were terrible ideas because I said, you're not addressing a real problem. The reason people spend 10 hours planning a vacation isn't because it's hard to plan a vacation. It's because they hate their job. Mm -hmm. And this is an incredible form of escapism. They get to mentally escape to the vacation before they ever show up. They get to build it up in their head for months ahead of time. Yeah. And so a huge part of that is reading the narrative, is looking at the photos, is doing that research. And so you 
just like someone trying to sell a magazine or sell a movie, you're trying to sell this story. You're trying to sell this beautiful thing to get people engaged. The second piece is in, in a kind of Instagrammable world, there's this whole aspiration of travel, mm-hmm. of people kind of want to travel slightly above where they live, right? You, you don't want to just go stay where you already live. And so they, if they can see, oh my God, that art on that wall or the design of this or that view, that helps them go to that aspirational piece. Uh, and then the third is given those first two, it's a competitive world. You have to stand out. You have to find a way to stand out. And the way to stand out is not lowest common denominator. You need to specifically find who it is that cares about what you offer and how do you stand out to them. Mm-hmm. And the story is going to be different. It's not cookie cutter for every company. Yeah. It's not cookie cutter for every property or every home. No, I 100% agree. And something I've said since like the beginning of the podcast is that the guest experience doesn't start when they walk on property or when they drive up. It literally starts when they see your website or when they see your listing or when they, because like you said, they're building it up in their head. Yep. That's part of the guest experience. And that's the most like beautiful and amazing part of our industry is that we create the story. We set the tone. We make it show who we are as you know a people and as a, a company or whatever, whatever you want to call it. And so that's like, yeah, yeah that's to me the beauty and why I love this. But um, so now we've talked about that. Like we've gotten the stance of, you know, telling the story, communicating and standing out the difference between revenue management and revenue strategy. So what type of growth have your clients seen with implementing these, these factors and these key terms that we're talking about? You know, this is a good time for, for you to kind of, sh- put the spotlight on, on what you guys do, but I think this is where it's going to put a lot of backing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things that we have some customers that come in and say, is even if it was flat, I would still prefer to bring you in because each property is taking me an hour uh, mm-hmm. a week to try to manage, make sure I'm maximizing the revenue. So if you can do the same, but save me that hour a week, you know, I'm managing 75 properties. I'd, I'd love to have 75 hours back on my team to, yeah. to go do this. Sure. And so that, that's certainly a value. The reality is we're not doing the same thing as any manager. Uh, you know, we have managers that have 400, 500 properties that come in and say, we have a team of revenue managers, but what you're doing is so next level. We're missing it. We're missing this upside. And we go in and the nice thing with revenue management is because there's so much data, you can say, okay, you paid X to us last month. Here's what the market did versus what we did for you. Or here's what your properties did versus these other specifically benchmark properties in your portfolio we're not managing. Mm-hmm. And so for every dollar you spent with us, we put five into your pocket. We put 20 into your homeowner's pocket. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, we, we say 30 plus percent. The numbers are pretty consistently much higher than that. The issue is there's a difference between being true and being right and being believed. So if we put out how big the numbers get, people will kind of check out. They're like, oh, that's unrealistic. That's not believable. Like, yeah. okay, fine. Like, we're not, we're not even, well, let's just say 30%. That's, that's what we do. And then you'll be happy when we show up with much higher numbers. Like, we'll just say 30%. Yeah. Uh, what's, the, what's the phrase? Uh, under promise and over deliver? Yeah. 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 No, that's a good, good way to go about it. Um, so this is a big topic for me. Um, recently with just like a chain of event, uh, excuse me, of events with, you know, 
COVID-19 and the country shutdown and all the other type, you know, of stuff going on in the industry and in our world. But um, direct bookings are huge. Um, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent a believer that if you get a, you know, a booking that comes from Airbnb, booking.com, whatever, it's your job as the on-site manager or whoever on the team, the owners hired people to convert that third-party booking into a direct, getting them to come back to you every time. Um, but coming through you directly through your website or via phone call or whatever. Um, so what is your thoughts and expert opinion on the importance of direct bookings? And is this something that you and your teams at Rented are consistently focusing on with your clients? Yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of thoughts here. It, one, and this is kind of an ongoing debate with Heather Bayer and Amy Highnote and others, but I, I think it's a bit of a misnomer in that as, as you described it, it's book redirect, mm -hmm. right? It's that, and John Gray, first employee at HomeAway said, look, it's just cheaper to pay us for the customer that first time. Yeah. But if you ever pay us for the same customer another time, you drop the ball. Yeah. Like that, that person only went to a website with us. They just went and spent a week living with you. Mm -hmm. It is your job to be front of mind for them. Mm -hmm. Why in the world would somebody that they spent a couple minutes clicking on some buttons be the thing they remember as opposed to who they lived with? You were dropping the ball if you're not delivering there. And there's some really interesting ways to do it besides getting in, in uh, their, their head as yeah. the brand. You know, there's a company like StayFi that I don't know if you know about ways of you put on Wi-Fi and then everybody who signs on gives their contact information opts in so you can you have a bigger marketing list yeah and the marketing isn't just always come stay a great vacation come stay a great vacation it's telling the story what what is what's cool happening in your area they came this time of year last year was it for an event what other things might they be interested in like how are you building out your brand for them yeah and so i think one in general you think about the billions of dollars Expedia or booking.com Airbnb historically spend in marketing yeah. book direct the first time, unless you have an amazing SEO and just an amazing historical list of people who know directly to come to you. It still makes sense incrementally get those additional bookings at the right prices from those channels. Once mm -hmm. you get those, you need to own them. Yeah. And if look, consumers are also becoming smarter. So just like everybody may go to Skyscanner or Kayak and look for flights, they want the rewards points on American Airlines or Delta. Mm -hmm. So they see who has the best flight and then they go to delta.com to buy the ticket. Yep. So people know similar things happening on Airbnb, booking.com, et cetera. If you want them to book directly with you, you don't want them to be losing something by going to your site. You want them to always get the best deal on your site. So that's always their first choice. Yeah. Uh, there is in this a kind of interesting moment in time where everything I said about the book direct, it doesn't make sense on that first booking Expedia and booking.com aren't spending money on marketing right now. This could actually be a really interesting time to deploy some marketing dollars to get those direct bookings in, and it would be more efficient. That's not, I don't think that's a long-term answer, mm -hmm. but that is, that is actually an opportunity. If you have the resources, you have the, the expertise, there is an opportunity, I think, to actually own that book direct space for a period of time until they ramp back up the spend. I agree. And so this is another thing that I 
have been kind of a fan of, and another guest on my show said this um, two episodes ago from, from what our episode is. And he said, you know, every decision is a brand decision. So, you know, how you communicate that story, how you operate, you know, as a brand decision is who you guys are as a team, as a culture, as a company. Um, so not only do I believe that, but I also, that can also transition into every decision is a revenue decision. So not in the sense of, you know, being cheap or lack of spending or overspending and things. Um, but you know, there is a cost. And so I believe every decision is a brand decision, but also every decision affecting brand comes into revenue and how you guys do that. Because I'll use for an example, the property that I left um, in order to go full time into doing what I do, um, you know, we were killing it in revenue compared to our competition in the area and our rev par and all that stuff. But we were spending so much that we, I'm pretty sure I, I'm not going to say it definitively, but we were losing money, like tons mm. of money. And so, yes, we're, you know, getting these great numbers, but we're over, you know, our cost and operations was, was high. We were getting way too many OTAs uh, and bookings and, you know, third party commissions that even though we were getting, you know, occupancy and rev par, uh, it just wasn't balancing out. So do you think properties, um, you know, should go into that state of every decision is a revenue decision? And then kind of a part two of this question is, we've talked about the uniqueness of vacation rentals and how they're not cookie cutter like hotels are. Um, do you think the properties that go deep into the destination and guest experience will outperform a basic property? And when I'm saying basic for the vacation rental side is that um, I've, I've seen personally just from shopping the market and looking at other management companies and, you know, being in the level of area that I'm at, um, I'm seeing more like management companies kind of form like a cookie cutter type, uh, I guess, what did you call it? Um, Offering. Offer platform, you know, yeah. all their properties, they may have like 400 units or whatever, but they're very pretty much like, not like a hotel, but they're very cookie cutter. They're very basic to the point on these certain things. So I know what my answer would be, but I'm just kind of seeing what your thoughts of the destination market versus the basic becoming cookie cutter platforms would be for you. Yeah. I mean, on the first one, I'd hundred percent agree that any brand decision is also a revenue decision. And it's one of those things that any door you're opening, you're probably closing a door as well. Mm -hmm. So it, as you move up brand more luxury, you're closing doors to who may be able to afford you, who you may be able to target. So you may go to a narrower and narrower market mm -hmm. that may have, higher rev part, but lower occupancy. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a trade-off. That's, that's who is your brand going to be? And, you know, IHG, Intercontinental Hotel Group's an interesting one mm -hmm. because almost all their revenue comes from Holiday Inn. Yeah. But in their head, they're Intercontinental Hotel Group. It's Intercontinental. We're this luxury brand, even though it's such a tiny sliver. They, they yeah. have this disconnect of what's generating the revenue and who they want to be. Yeah. And I think it's, it's super important what you just said of, not getting hung up on vanity metrics. Mm -hmm. Top line vanity metrics mean nothing. How much cash are you pulling in at the end of the day, at the end of the year? And that comes across the board. I mean, think about the service levels for that customer. Think about the service levels for that homeowner. 
don't just look at, well, this property brought in 80,000. Yeah. Well, actually I had to hire two extra employees to go deal with this homeowner and do all these things. And so by managing that property, I lost $5,000 last year. That, that's a terrible decision. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, and so you really have to look at it all in all holistically. And so I guess that for me, that carries over of really own the destination, own the, the brand. I don't think there's a flat answer. I think it gets back to what is your brand? You know, there are plenty of people who it's, I just want the lowest cost. Look, we always go to this beach and we always want a condo in this building. I don't care how it's decorated. We spend none of the time in there. We just want it close to the beach. Mm -hmm. And so spending a bunch of time on branding, that's probably not value. That's not a good place to spend time. Whereas a different destination or a different customer type, that's a huge part of why they stay. Yeah. And so rather than saying there's a blanket answer that's right for every single person, the question is, who are you? Who is your business and who are the customers you're serving? Mm -hmm. And you have to build around that. I 100% agree. That's a good answer. I, Because I've been, so I don't know if you've seen, but we were talking earlier prior to the episode, maybe speaking at the Book Direct Conference, right? And my, my topic is creating a destination. What is the what is a destination, you know, and that's what I think is super unique with the vacation rental market. Before coming into this industry, I had the idea destination is Fiji or Costa Rica. Mm. Like you're thinking of these places, right? But now being in the industry, doing what I'm doing, I'm seeing properties. Like I'll use one of ours, kind of a shameless plug, but it's right between Seattle and Canadian border in a small town that no one wants to visit at all. But then you're able to take that and make it so unique and definitely market it to the point where people do flock to that and it does become a destination, right? Yeah. So for me, it's been super unique to see like the, the, the mindset and the shift of what's a destination, you know, pre-vacation rental of my like entering the industry to where it's at now of, okay, these unique properties are become the destination in a lot of sense. And so, yeah, a property, like think about tree houses, you know, yeah. there, there are these tree houses. There's one in Atlanta that has like a three year wait list to get in. The guy yeah. brings in over a hundred thousand dollars a year renting it, which means he probably should raise the price. Yeah. yeah. If you want to talk about revenue management, Yeah, but it's just in an Atlanta suburb, right? Like no one's saying, Hey, I want to go spend a vacation in an Atlanta suburb, mm -hmm. but he, the property itself is a destination. And that's, that's one example. And there's some other great ones. If you know CJ Stam uh, in Blue Ridge, yeah. So yeah. he got he got together with the other people in Blue Ridge and said, "What is the single lowest occupancy weekend we have?" And they found it's this one random weekend in September, I think. And he said, "Okay, let's do something really cool." And so they have the barbecue and blues festival. Yeah. And now it's one of the three busiest weekends. All of a sudden it is a destination. So it's not just about the location and maybe the time of year, what you can yeah. do and story you tell the, with Vacasa, how Vacasa really got their start was the Oregon coast had this super short season mm -hmm. and it was because everybody set the prices and here's what the price was. And Vacasa said, you know, the Oregon coast isn't that far of a drive from all these cities. What if we just changed the price and made this a destination? Yep. And then all of a sudden people were saying, well, for that price, yeah, I'd go take a long weekend and take my family and go out there. 
exactly and create a destination with these revenue management decisions with these decisions of how how do i treat the property how do i treat the distribution how do i treat the story i'm telling to the person who ultimately is going to come here i agree and another great example uh loma homes out in destin florida the star wars house like that one so oh. yeah right outside of orlando like i just think of like that to, you know it's in a very suburb market like it's very all the houses are very uh, very similar in a lot of aspects but they created something really cool and unique inside and so that for me is like a destination you created something that most people right. aren't doing so yeah 100% agree I think that's great um, so again we're in the times of COVID-19 this all you know started happening so much uncertainty so much has changed and is constantly changing as we all know just like every day we're finding out something new or, you know, um, you know, shutdowns are being extended. Just, you know, the, all, all the above, all that's going on. Yeah. Um, how can providers best help themselves during these times of COVID-19? So what are you guys seeing with your clients or with yourselves, the best tips and practices that they can apply into their day to day? Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing to remember is it is competitive, but because markets are so localized, management companies tend to be so localized, it's not necessarily competitive across markets. You know, someone in Oregon has no issue sharing all her best practices with someone on the North Carolina coast. So the single greatest resource are your fellow managers. You know, the, there's the this you know, show, there's the Sarah T podcast, there, there are all these things that people are sharing information. With us, we do for free every two weeks. We do an office hours open where we bring in co-founders of Acasa. We bring in people from all over the industry to talk about what are they seeing? What are you doing? What should you be doing? Mm -hmm. um, because what I tell you today, stuff's going to happen tomorrow yep. and the answer is going to change. So it has to be live. We have free online resources, the VRMA is putting together all sorts of programs and resources. Amy Highnotes, staying on top of it, writing some great content. Uh, Tebow, who works at Booking.com, but has rental scale up, has a whole plethora of information, just did one for Asia and Asia Pacific of what's going on over there, which is a really interesting region and market to follow because they're a couple months ahead of us. So yeah. what yeah. can we learn? They, you can't predict the future, but you can kind of watch the future for those that are a little ahead of us. Yeah. And so that's, that is uh, the important thing, is there are a number of available resources, um, mostly each other. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that's, it comes back to it. We've talked about it on the show many times. You and I have talked on, on the phone multiple times about it as well. It's such a shared economy basis, like internally as an organization and industry, we're always sharing tips, tricks, and ideas and things that we've learned. And I'm always talking with the people at Noise Aware or Breezeway or with you. Like we're always got these, you know, flow going. And I think there's so much content. We're an industry that has so much coming out. We have literally anything at our fingertips, almost anything. I mean, I kind of equate it to the reason the U.S. not the only reason, but one of the reasons the U.S. is set up as it is. This federal system of you have this national government with each of these states mm -hmm. is those get to be incubators for new and innovative ideas, for yeah. legal structures, business structures. And we have that times a million mm -hmm. in terms of all the different companies and all the different destinations of, 
oh, wow, that was a really cool thing you did. And it totally took off. How, how can that apply to my customer base? How can that apply to my market? How can that apply to my business? And so just not, not thinking you have all the answers, but that there's probably somebody somewhere that has some pretty good answers. Yeah. And always pick and pull. You know, there's always, yeah. this will yeah. work, this won't work. Boom, let's put them together and make some yeah. magic. Modular, right? Like you create your unique business, but it could be a, from a thing. You've created something totally new. 100%. 100% agree. Well, Andrew, I think, you know, that is kind of, getting to the conclusion of, of today, like we've covered so much and I think, you know, this is definitely a time I think for any of the listeners, um, you know, that have questions because I know when I first started with revenue management and marketing and just being in the industry terms and phrases and ideas that we speak on, on the show can sometimes just be a lot to take in. So I, I want to give you this time for you to put out information on where can people, um, learn more, of course, about rented.com, um, about you and about everything that you guys are doing and putting out there. Um, just because even though I'll be putting everything in the show notes, I think just giving that direct, this is where you go. This is what we've been putting out. And yeah. uh, I think this would be a great, great plug. Yeah. I mean, the, the number one for us is rented.com, the website, right? That's the, that's going to be the master, but we're probably of all the different social channels, me personally, Andrew McConnell uh, on LinkedIn, as well as rented.com. LinkedIn's probably our, our most active in terms of where we put out content and distribute. Yeah. We have a, a bi-weekly newsletter. So we just consolidate what's happening in the industry, things that we're seeing, happy we promote whatever is relevant. Mm-hmm. It's not self-promotion, it's what's relevant uh, at the time. So that's totally a free newsletter you can get. Uh, and then on Twitter at rented.com or at MA McConnell. Okay. The other pieces, yeah. Perfect. Well, Andrew, again, so excited that we finally got to do this and sit down. Um, many great phone calls leading up to this. So yeah. um, just thank you again, my friend, just for joining, doing what you do, putting out the stuff that you guys are doing and, and changing the industry, you know, one day at a time with all, all the great stuff that you guys are providing at Rented. So just want to say thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Will. I my really pleasure. do appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.